What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I am your host, JT. I got a really exciting episode for you guys. I'm going to be telling you guys who's the New York Jets' most important rookie this year, who could greatly impact how far the New York Jets could go this year. Then, I've been seeing a lot of great things being said in the media about the New Orleans Saints. There are some analysts out there who think that the New Orleans Saints can win the NFC and make it to the Super Bowl, and a good amount who think that they're just locks to win this division, that it's the NFC South. And you guys already know what my stance is on the New Orleans Saints. I'm not really big on them. I don't really think they're that good. And I don't really believe in Dennis Allen. So we're going to be discussing why I believe that the New Orleans Saints are overrated. Even though that is a little bit harsh to say. I don't really like using the word overrated like that. But I think it's a good word to apply to the New Orleans Saints this year. I think they're this year's version of what the Denver Broncos were last season with Nathaniel Hackett. The Houston Texans... Do they have a chance at being able to win the AFC South this year? I was seeing a couple of posts on the Bleacher Report app in the Texans community tab saying that they believe that this squad could win this division. Now, are they a little bit crazy? You know, I thought they were at first, but when I sat back and thought about it, they might have a chance. So we're going to discuss that. And then we're going to talk some college football. We're going to be discussing Colorado's offense. How good is it going to be? We're going to break it down. And is FSU going to live up to all the hype that they're receiving? Many people think that not only are they going to win the ACC, but they also could return to the college football playoffs. Before we begin, if you haven't already, make sure that you go ahead, like the video, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Remember that you can listen to the audio version of the JT Sports Podcast on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from, you can find the JT Sports Podcast. If you enjoy this episode and you want to support the pod make sure that you go ahead rate us five stars we can be found on apple spotify at jt sports podcast that's all you got to type in if you don't feel like doing that you can go down to the description down below scroll down a little bit and there will be the links to the apple spotify versions of the podcast and you can go ahead tap one of those links and leave us with a five star review If the New York Jets are going to have a successful season this year, their offensive line is going to have to play at an elite level. And the key to having a great offensive line normally is having a really good center. When you think about some of the best offensive lines in the NFL, the majority of them, like the Philadelphia Eagles with Jason Kelsey, have an elite center. And if you have an elite center you normally have a pretty good offensive line overall. Now, the New York Jets, they re-signed Connor McGovern, but they didn't really pay him a lot of money. And then they also drafted Joe Tittman in the second round of this past year's draft out of Wisconsin. Now, 
I'm a big fan of Joe Titman. And I've talked to a couple of scouts, not a lot, but two or three. And they all had a lot of great things to say about Joe Titman. And I think that he is going to be the New York Jets' most important rookie this year if they're going to have success. Joe Titman, if he comes in and he ends up beating out Conor McGovern, which many Jets fans already expect him to be able to do, you're looking at somebody who could be the best center that this franchise has had since Nick Mangold. And everybody knows how great Nick Mangold was. And plus, this dude comes from Wisconsin. And you know one thing about Wisconsin, they know how to develop great offensive linemen. Wisconsin, Notre Dame, I think it's a tie between those two schools for offensive line U. And you look at Joe Tittman, you look at his size, he's 6'6", 315 pounds, but he has great balance. And on top of that, he is a mauler in the run game. And I'm not really somebody that's really heavy on offensive linemen, but you can kind of tell when you got a guy like Joe Tittman who's just mauling guys over. He just looks like a man amongst boys out there when he's on the field. And he has really great athleticism and he has really great balance despite the size that he's playing with at center. So you look at the fact that Joe Tittman is really good in the run game. That's something that the New York Jets are going to want to do a lot of this year, especially once they get Brees Hall back at 100%. And if you're going to be able to have a good offensive line this year, it's going to start with Joe Tittman at center. Now, he was praised for his leadership coming out of Wisconsin. He also has a high football IQ, which is something that you need to play the center position because the center position is like the quarterback of the offensive line. And he only allowed one sack and nine pressures and 24 total starts his last couple of years starting at Wisconsin. So I think that Joe Tittman is going to be really good for the New York Jets. And I think if they're going to have a successful season and potentially make a deep playoff run, he's going to be their most important rookie this year because the center position is literally one of the most important positions on the offensive line. And if you have a good one, your offensive line is normally pretty good. And the rest of the New York Jets offensive line Honestly, isn't really that bad. Although, I don't know about Dwayne Brown at left tackle. Like, he's really up there in age. But outside of him, I like Lincoln Tomlinson. Makai Becton is not really a bust because he can't play. But it's due to the fact that he can't stay on the field. When Makai Becton's on the field, I think he's pretty solid. And then you got Elijah Vera Tucker, who... Looked pretty solid last year, but he did have an injury that he dealt with also. So I think that the New York Jets offensive line, if they can get really good play out of Joel Tittman as a rookie, I think that they're going to end up being a really good unit this season. And you need to write down Joel Tittman somewhere in your notepad and your notes because he's going to be one of those rookies that's going to end up having a really impactful season for the New York Jets and I think he's good enough to be a potential all-pro. There's a lot of people in the national media who I've been hearing recently say that the New York Jets are overrated but yet they look at the New Orleans Saints and say that this team not only is a lock to win the NFC South, but they potentially are a dark horse Super Bowl contender. 
And you guys already know, I'm not big on the New Orleans Saints. And people keep gassing up Derek Carr. Like, Derek Carr is a really good QB. But is he really a good enough QB where he just tremendously elevates your whole entire team, your whole entire organization? Like, there are people hyping up Derek Carr like he's the second coming of Drew Brees. There's a reason why the Las Vegas Raiders let him go. There's a reason why he's in New Orleans. He never wanted to leave Las Vegas. He loved the Raiders. He loved that fan base. So there's a reason why he needed a fresh start. And yes, you do have a really talented team. And Derek Carr should play at a really high level, but he's not going to give you elite level QB play like a Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen. He's a quarterback that needs everything to go right. And then big moments and big games... He oftentimes doesn't really have good performances and he's highly inconsistent. And the New Orleans Saints have a really shaky offensive line situation. They're solid at offensive tackle, but offensive guard is a little bit of a concern. And even the offensive tackle is a concern because you got Trevor Penning, who's coming off an injury. And he was drafted really high. We don't even know if he's really good because coming out, he was more seen as a developmental player. So we don't know what the Saints are going to be getting at left tackle this year. And their offensive line could be a little bit shaky this year. And Derek Carr, he does have a pretty good group of wide receivers. But my biggest pet peeve with the Saints and with a lot of people in the media or overlooking about this squad is the fact that Derek Carr is a solid QB but this is still an overall not really good coaching staff I mean Dennis Allen is a really good defensive minded coach but he's not a good head coach he's really conservative he doesn't really have good clock management skills and he mismanaged the New Orleans Saints quarterback situation last year. And you got to remember that there was a good amount of Saints fans who wanted Dennis Allen fired. Dennis Allen, at one point, had a, what was it? It's one of those little survey things. I think he had one of those GoFundMes or one of those petitions. Yeah, it was a petition made to get Dennis Allen fired. Literally, you can look it up. Look up Fire Dennis Allen Petition. And there's literally a petition up there with a good amount of signatures with Dennis Allen wanting him to be fired. And when you look at his coaching record, he hasn't had anything impressive. As a matter of fact, it's been really discouraging. And the New Orleans Saints, you got to remember, prior to Dennis Allen becoming their head coach, they won nine games in Sean Payton's final season with pretty much scrap pieces on offense. Their best receiver that year was Marquez Callaway, and they had four different QBs, and they nearly made it to the playoffs. That was Sean Payton's final season, and then the sideline gets that team the following year that's actually better, and then he has a couple of injuries, but then they end up not even having a winning record. If Sean Payton was the head coach of the Saints last year, that would have been a playoff team. I think we can all agree with that. And you look at the fact that people keep overlooking 
that the Carolina Panthers, although they do got a rookie quarterback, they got Frank Wright. At this moment, Frank Wright is the best head coach in the NFC South. He's the most experienced, and not only that, but he's the most successful. He's the only head coach in that division to have been in the playoff game. Frank Wright shouldn't be overlooked. And the Carolina Panthers shouldn't be overlooked. The Carolina Panthers have a really solid roster. You look at the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, their roster is pretty good. But their coaching is probably one of the worst in the NFL going into this year. Honestly, that's the biggest concern about this team. You ask Saints fans what's their biggest concern about this team. Honestly, the most logical ones are going to tell you the coaching. You're just hoping and you're just optimistic because you like what you see on paper. But you got to remember that the Dallas Cowboys and a lot of those years when they were going eight and eight with Jason Garrett as their head coach, they had a lot of talented squads that year also, or those years also, excuse me. And you look at the fact that the New Orleans Saints going into this year, yeah, they do have a really solid roster on paper. The coaching is severely lacking. And you know, the Denver Broncos last season, there were people out there around this time last year who said that they were going to win the AFC and dethrone Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And you saw how that went with Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. It got really ugly, really ugly. And you look at this Dennis Allen situation, you look at the fact that he hasn't had a winning record and all his years being the head coach, and you look at the fact that he isn't really somebody that you're looking at right now with a lot of confidence in, he's kind of looking at Derek Carr as the savior for everything, kind of honestly. And Derek Carr, like I said earlier, is a good quarterback, but he's not one of those QBs that functions well with instability. He's not one of those QBs that's going to be great with a you know, questionable offensive line. And he's not really going to be somebody that's going to thrive in big time games and big moments. You've seen what this guy did against the Pittsburgh Steelers late last season. He's really inconsistent and he hasn't really had any standout performances. And what I'm about to say next is going to be really, really harsh. But I believe that this is the truth about Derek Carr. Let's be honest, man. Derek Carr hasn't been the same since he had that back injury. Let's keep it 100. Be honest. Derek Carr, before he had that injury, was at a MVP level. And it's really unfortunate that that happened to him. And ever since then, he hasn't been the same quarterback. He's still a solid QB. But when you look at Derek Carr and these big games with the game on the line, in big moments, he doesn't come through. Another example is the playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals from a couple of years ago. They had the opportunity to win the game with your franchise QB on the field and Derek Carr, and they weren't able to come through. And Derek Carr wasn't able to deliver, and he didn't really play all that great in that game, honestly. So Derek Carr, I think he's a solid QB. But I don't think he's going to be a QB that can thrive if he doesn't really have a great coaching staff. And there are questions about Pete Carmichael. 
So people have concerns about Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael. The New Orleans Saints are overrated. I don't get how people can honestly look at this team with the questions that they have on their coaching staff with Dennis Allen having a losing record as a head coach. You got questions with Pete Carmichael. Your offensive line is shaky. Derek Carr is, he's okay, but he can't overcome bad coaching. The Carolina Panthers are being slept on with Frank Wright. Frank Wright is the best head coach in the NFC South. He's the only head coach in that division that has a taste of making it to the postseason. He's the only head coach in the NFC South right now that has had a taste of success. And a lot of people are falling in love with what the New Orleans Saints look like on paper. But a big reason why teams that look great on paper don't work out like the Denver Broncos last season is because they have bad coaching. The New Orleans Saints have bad coaching. The Broncos last season had bad coaching. The Dallas Cowboys, all those years, they went 8-8 eight and eight with Jason Garrett at the helmet head coach. They had really good teams those seasons. They were held back by Jason Garrett being a mediocre head coach. Dennis Allen is a mediocre head coach. The New Orleans Saints are not going to win this division. And I doubt they make it to the... I doubt New Orleans even has a winning record. I don't even think they're going to be a playoff team this year. I think the most games the Saints are going to win this year are nine. And even if they do get the nine wins, I don't even know if they even go far in the postseason, honestly. So I'm not really high on the New Orleans Saints. I think this team is severely overrated. But you guys let me know down in the comment section down below. Am I being a little bit too harsh on Dennis Allen? Is the coaching going to prove me wrong? Before we move on, make sure that if you haven't already, you go ahead, leave a like, and subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Listen to the audio version of this episode on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. All you got to do is type in JT Sports 2, whichever podcasting service that you use, and it will pop up. And make sure that you leave us a five-star review if you want to support the channel and you enjoy the content. Now, moving on to this. I was on the Bleach Report app the a couple of nights ago. And you know how the Bleach Report app has that community tab where all the fans can interact with each other. And there were a couple of Texan fans who I saw in there saying that they expected this team to be able to win the AFC South this year. Now, I'm going to keep it 100 with you, right? When you're looking at the possibility of the Houston Texans winning this division, it probably sounds crazy. You're probably... Stay off the weed. Stay off the weed. JT, like, what are you doing? You really think that the Texans could win this division? And they possibly can. And here's why, right? When you think about the Tennessee Titans, yes, they do have a better opportunity at being able to win the South with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. Plus, they have 
the fact that Ryan Tannehill is still a capable QB. You got Derrick Henry in the backfield. You got Mike Vrabel plus a really good defense. They're going to be a really scrappy team. They're going to be a really interesting team. But the Houston Texans are also going to be a really interesting team in their own right. They're going to have a really good defense that a lot of people are sleeping on. You got Jalen Petrie, who's going to be one of the best safeties in the NFL this year. You're going to have Derek Stingley, who, let's not forget, this dude was a first-round pick not too long ago, and he's mega-talented. D'Amico Ryans is a really good defensive mind. They brought in some really key veterans. They brought in Denzel Perryman. Jimmy Ward and free agency. So this is going to be a team that a lot of people are going to be a little bit surprised with how well they're going to perform year one. And CJ Stroud, I think as long as he has a solid group of receivers around him, he's going to be okay. And you see Houston's wide receiving core, I don't think it's completely bad. I just think that they have some guys who are a little bit unproven. But they do have a rookie in Tane Dell who I'm really high on. And CJ Stroud is really high on. And he's a really fantastic route runner. And normally, when you got a guy who can run really good routes, they end up being pretty good. The majority of the best receivers in the NFL, what do they all have in common? They're all phenomenal route runners. If you can run routes really well, you end up normally having a really good career. And I think Tane Dell is going to be a monster for the Houston Texans this year in the slot. And their offensive line is way better than what a lot of people are giving it credit for. They got two really solid tackles. Titus Howard, he only gave up around four sacks. Larmy Tunsil is one of the best left, left tackles in the league. So the Houston Texans offense, with Damian Pierce in the backfield, I think they're going to be really fine having C.J. Stroud starting as a rookie. C.J. Stroud is going to be really good with the talent that he has around him. You also got John Mechie. You got some really solid receivers here that should be able to produce and get the job done for C.J. Stroud and company. You look at the Indianapolis Colts, I think they possibly are going to be the worst team in this division because they're going to be starting at Anthony Richardson. And we have some concerns about their secondary. Anthony Richardson, yeah, he's going to have some moments where he ends up flashing and showing everybody why he was drafted fourth overall. But the problem with Anthony Richardson is that there's going to be a lot of growing pains as well. And I think that he's going to be one of those QBs that in those late game situations, he's going to end up having a couple of costly mistakes that cost the Indianapolis Colts games. The Houston Texans are having a quarterback that's a little bit more pro ready than what Anthony Richardson is. And CJ Stroud is going to be one of those QBs that he's going to have some of those late game hiccups, but he's also going to have some late game heroics when he ends up leading the Texans back and winning some games. And the Texans have a better team than what people are giving them credit for. The Tennessee Titans have a questionable offensive line. The Texans have a better offensive line than the Texans. The receiving core probably isn't really all that great. But when you look at the Tennessee Titans defense, I think their defenses are both pretty good. 
But I think the fact that the Houston Texans are not really that far away from the Tennessee Titans in terms of talent, I think they could end up challenging for second place in this division. And when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, their defense is questionable. Their offensive line has some concerns. And if you watched them last season, this was a team that was really streaky at moments. The Houston Texans are going to have a really great defense. And if C.J. Stroud ends up panning out, that defense should be able to win them some games as long as the offense can be solid. Trevor Lawrence, he's shown sometimes that he can stop, he can kind of get cold at moments. Like we saw in the first half against the L.A. Chargers in the wildcard round last season. The Houston Texans, I'm not saying that they will win the AFC South this year. But I still believe that this team is going to be able to compete for this division this year. I believe that the Houston Texans are going to at least be able to win six or more games this season. This team is way better than what a lot of people in the national media are giving them credit for. They have an offensive line that's really solid. You are going to have a really solid rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. Damon Pierce was one of the best rookie running backs last season. And you should have a really good defense led by a phenomenal secondary with Jimmy Ward, Jalen Petrie, and Derek Stingley. So the Houston Texans have a small chance at winning the AFC South. I don't think they don't have a chance at all. But I do believe that if you have to ask me on a scale of 1 through 100, the rate their chances of winning this division, I would say 10%. Or maybe I would go as high as 15%. And then I probably would go a little bit Tennessee and the majority Jacksonville. But I do think that Houston could possibly be able to win the AFC South if everything goes right and their offensive line is better than Tennessee's and Tennessee they kind of have some questions at QB and some people are even asking if DeAndre Hopkins is going to be even functional in that offense so we'll see but there is a chance that the Houston Texans could win the AFC South this year the Colorado offense I don't think a lot of you guys are ready for how good Coach Prime's offense is going to be in his first season at Colorado. People keep saying, man, Shadur Sanders, he's unproven. He probably won't be all that great. Majority of the times, when you have a quarterback that dominates in the FCS and they transfer to a Division I school, they end up being pretty good. Prime example, Cameron Ward, starting quarterback for Washington State. Last season, he was really good. He transferred from Incarnate World. So if he can end up transferring from a school like Incarnate Word or Incarnate World and ball out for Washington State, there's no reason why Shadur Sanders shouldn't be able to do the same. He was balling out for Jackson State. I don't care what level of football you're playing at in college athletics if you're able to put up the kind of numbers that Shadur is able to put up at Jackson State. Jackson State, I'm not saying that they played the best competition, but you can't say what he did wasn't impressive. He had 40 touchdowns and six interceptions last season at Jackson State. And he's going to the Pac-12 in the conference where 
nobody really played a lot of defense last season outside of Oregon State and Washington State and Utah nobody in this conference really had a phenomenal defense USC didn't have a defense Washington didn't have a defense UCLA didn't have a defense Oregon didn't have a defense so Colorado's offense is going to have the capability of being able to put up a lot of points and numbers this year Shadur Sanders one reason why he's going to end up having a great season isn't just because he's talented but he also has a talented supporting cast around him Colorado not only do they have great receivers but they also are deep at that position and they probably have one of the best receiving cores in this conference I probably will put them third right behind Washington and USC you got your USF transfers Xavier Weaver Jimmy Horn both really fantastic wideouts Jimmy Horn Jr he's a really good returner as well and Xavier Weaver he was one of the best receivers in the G5 last season this was somebody who was a second team all AAC selection and I think that when you look at Travis Hunter he's also a really good wide receiver as well plus a really good corner he's going to be playing both sides of the football this year and plus they have good depth behind those guys they also have some true freshmen who can step up they got Adam Hopkins Amario Miller both of those guys were four-star wide receivers that Deion Sanders scooped up on his way into Colorado at National Signing Day so Colorado's offense when you look at their playmakers on the outside they got a bunch of them and you know one thing about Deion Sanders is that he has an eye for finding players at wide out and that defensive back those are really strong areas of their team and when you look at this offense they have plenty of guys who are going to be able to make plays out in space and then you look at their running back position I am really side excited to watch Alton McCaskill now he got injured last season in the spring at Houston but if you watch his freshman season this dude was a true freshman and had 16 touchdowns it was averaging five yards per carry and not just that but you look at his size he's 6'1 215 pounds and this dude not only is he a really explosive runner but he also is pretty agile for his size so look out for all McCaskill at running back if you're a Buffs fan or if you're somebody just looking at what Colorado may have at running back because all McCaskill this dude is really good really good and then you got a really good true freshman and Dylan Edwards now he's undersized he's only like 5'8 5'9 but he has a really similar skill set to a Deuce Vaughn and everybody should know how good Deuce Vaughn was at Kansas State so look out for Deuce Vaughn 2.0 and Dylan Edwards so when you look at what Colorado has offensively I mean this should be one of the best offenses in the Pac-12 oh JT you overlooking the offensive line their offensive line is small why do you 
people keep saying that Colorado's offensive line is small. Come on now, they dog. do not have a small offensive Come line. Come on, man. Their offensive line, for it to be small, has a lot of guys who are over 300 plus. What is your definition of a small offensive line? Because they got a Juco transfer named Isaiah Jada, who's 6'6", 310 pounds. He was the sixth best Juco offensive tackle coming out last year. And then you got left guard Tyler Brown, who started all 13 games for Coach Prime last year at Jackson State. This dude is 6'3", 320 pounds at guard. Savion Washington, who follows his offensive coordinator from Kent State, is 6'8", 320 pounds. So you telling me that these guys are small? 6'8", 320 is small to you? 6'6", 310 is small to you? Colorado's offensive line is not lacking in size, and... It's not like there are a lot of teams in the Pac-12 that have great defensive lines. Washington, Oregon, those guys were not really all that good up front last year. Those teams are coming into this season with question marks with how good their pass rush is going to be this year. So Colorado's offensive line should be fine in terms of how their offensive line is going to be able to play. This offense is not lacking in talent. Coach Prime has an eye for playmakers. They call him Prime Time for a reason, man. And he got a really good offensive coordinator. Sean Lewis previously was the head coach at Kent State. Kent State nearly beat Georgia last season. Kirby Smart gave Sean Lewis a little bit of props. Had Kent State ready to play in that game. And then... The two years prior to last season, he had two of college football's best offenses. In 2020, they had the number one offense in college football. They were averaging 600 yards per game. And then they were averaging nearly 50 points per game that season. And then a year after, they were eighth in yards per game and they were averaging 30 points per game. So Sean Lewis is a really good offensive mind. His offenses... At Kent State were fantastic. And you look at the fact that he ends up stepping down as a head coach to take this offensive coordinator role. It's a huge win for Colorado. Notre Dame reportedly has some interest in having him replace Tommy Reese as their offensive coordinator. He has a really good eye for offense. So this is a really good staff that Coach Prime has. You got a really talented group of wide receivers. You got Owen McCaskill at running back. Y'all better go do y'all research on Owen McCaskill. That dude is 6'1", 215 pounds. As a true freshman, 16 rushing touchdowns over 5 yards per carry at Houston. This dude is a monster. And hopefully he comes back fully healthy from that ACL injury. Shadur Sanders, I've talked to a couple of people. They feel like he could end up being a quarterback that could potentially be drafted in day two of the NFL draft next year. And if he ends up having a really good season, potentially a first-round pick, he has a really good arm, he's really athletic, and he does have more mobility than what a lot of people think. You look at the rushing numbers, and the rushing numbers don't pop out to you like, oh, like, he can't really run like that, like, 
he has some wills. He just doesn't really choose to run like that. He's more somebody who rather beat you from within the pocket, but he can extend plays as well. Y'all sleeping on Shadur. Most quarterbacks that are really successful in the FCS and transfer to a Division One program, regardless if it's G5 or Power 5, most of the times they end up succeeding. Let me give you a throwback name. Vernon Adams. Remember that one? Washington State, when they had upset Oregon State years ago when they were ranked, he transferred to Oregon. He was pretty solid. Now, he wasn't great, but he was pretty solid. So when you look at Shadur Sanders putting up the kind of numbers that he did at Jackson State, I don't think there's any reason why he should struggle. And he has a really good group of receivers around him. I think Shadur Sanders is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12 this year. FSU is getting a lot of hypes. All eyes have been on the Florida State Seminoles this offseason. They're coming off a 10-win season last year. And you had a really good transfer portal class. I mean, their transfer portal class was incredible. I mean, you were already a really good team because you already had that monster at wide receiver in Johnny Wilson. I don't know how the hell Arizona State let Johnny Wilson transfer out of their program, but this dude is a monster. 6'7", 235 pounds? This is a created player. And Florida State has some playing at wide receiver. And then they also picked up another good wide receiver from the transfer portal. Keon Coleman. It just doesn't stop with Florida State. Every time I thought they were finished, they always kept adding talent. And when they got Jaheim Bell at first, I was like, oh my God. Because a lot of you guys may not watch South Carolina football, but I actually do. Jaheim Bell nearly did everything at times for the Gamecocks last season. This dude can play fullback, tight end, wide receiver, wildcat quarterback. I think he's more athletic than Brock Bowers. And that may be a hot take, but this dude, Jaheim Bell, if you haven't watched some highlights on him or you haven't watched the game of him, you need to go roll some film and go grab some popcorn and some snacks because... He's a monster, and I think that he potentially could be a first-round pick. He's one of those running backs that could end up going in the, or one of those tight ends that could end up going in the first round because you got to look at his versatility, the fact that he's a real-life chess piece on the football field. And then you also have Winston Wright returning at wide receiver. So there is a lot of talent in the passing core for Jordan Travis to throw the football to and. Jordan Travis is a really popular pick to win the Heisman Trophy this year. And he's one of the best quarterbacks in college football. He's gotten better every single season. Jordan Travis could put up a fantastic year at quarterback for the Florida State Seminoles. And you look at the supporting cast that he's going to have. This is going to be one of the best offensive lines that the Florida State Seminoles have had in some time. They haven't had an offensive line this good in nearly a decade. This defense is going to be one of the best in all of college football in terms of talent. I mean, their only concern really is going to be who's going to replace Jamie Robinson and how much production are they going to get 
out of his replacement. Other than that, they're stacked. They got Akeem Dent at safety, Fentrell Cypress, who was the second best cornerback in the transfer portal, only behind Travis Hunter. So this secondary is really good. This defensive line is really good. You got Fabian Lovett. You got Jared Verse, who potentially could be a top five pick in next year's draft. This team is stacked. So can FSU live up to the hype? Absolutely they can. The talent is there. The faith in Mike Norvell has been stronger than it's ever been. And you look at the fact that you get to play LSU early, that's going to be a really good test to tell everybody all they need to know about Florida State, Florida State football this season. The Florida State Seminoles, they got a lot of talent. They got a really good coaching staff. You got one of the best QBs in college football, and they beat LSU last season. And with the team they got coming back this year, with a lot of chemistry, I think they should be able to do it again. And then you got to be able to beat Clemson. Now, can you beat Clemson potentially twice if you have to beat them in the regular season and potentially in the ACC championship? Maybe. Maybe you slip up once. But outside of LSU and Clemson, who really are their tough games? Some of their toughest opponents are early in the schedule. You don't really have to play a team that is as good as LSU or Clemson. And then you do got to play Miami, but Miami is a rivalry game. I don't really think Miami is going to be as good as what FSU is this season. And this is coming from a Miami Hurricane fan. So that game could be a little bit close, but I do expect them to be able to pull that out. You do got to play Pitt on the road. Pat Narduzzi and Pitt could be a little bit of a challenge. But overall, outside of LSU and Clemson, I don't really see a game that FSU shouldn't be favored in. And I think the toughest games that they probably have out of that are Duke and Miami. So FSU, based off talent alone, they should be able to roll through their schedule with no more than one loss. They should be able to go one and one at least throughout that LSU and Clemson stretch. I don't really think that Clemson is going to be all that great this year, at least good enough to make it to the college football playoffs. At LSU, they're going to be really good. That game could go either way, but like I said, they could go one and one in those two games. So when you look at the talent that FSU has coming back into this season, you look at how good Jordan Travis is expected to be, how good he was last year being the Heisman contender going into this season. I think the hype is real for FSU. I think they're going to win the ACC, and I think that they're going to make it to the college football playoffs. You got Jordan Travis, a really fantastic offensive line, a 6'7", 235-pound monster at wide receiver, and Johnny Wilson. You got another freak at tight end, and Jaheim Bell, a great running back, Trey Benson. Florida State is going to have a really fantastic offense and a really fantastic defense. I think that this is going to be one of the best teams that FSU has had in recent memory. This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. If you haven't already, make sure that you go ahead, like the video, subscribe to the channel, upload, 
NFL videos, college football content. We also go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Rate us five stars. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the JT Sports Podcast. Remember that you can also catch us on Instagram. We're on Threads, Twitter. We will see you guys tomorrow with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. We appreciate you guys for tuning in.